Good morning. Man, it is good to see you all uh, this morning. So, so glad you came. And what a privilege to hang out in the house of the Lord and worship him and just be reminded of those incredible truths, his faithfulness, a proof of his faithfulness, leading us to this place and we trust will continue to lead us forward. Man, um, my name is Kondo, uh, and um, I'm not always as excited about that, but I'm so excited to be here that it sounds like I'm so excited about uh, my name, which I think is pretty cool, but that's beside the point. Um, I get to serve as one of the pastors here at Mission Point, and uh, this morning I have the privilege of wrapping up a series that we've been in called Unwrapped. And uh, this series has really centered around a conversation about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And our desire in this series has been to really get introduced to and to engage more of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And our desire has been to, to really have this conversation in the most simple of ways, almost as if we're having this conversation for the very first time. And uh, so I've been really, really stirred, really stretched uh, through this series, and I trust that what the Lord has been doing, He will continue to do. And as I said, for those of you who were here last week, I am so full of anticipation. Trusting that this is a significant series in, in what the Lord wants to invite us into as a church and some of the place he wants to take us. But that also means this is going to be one of the most stretching, one of the most uncomfortable um, series that we'll probably do for a while. And so I am so, so, so full of anticipation and expectation for what the Lord is going to do in and through this series. So last week we started in on a conversation um, on a, a very particular brand of spiritual gifts. And uh, for those of you who've grown up around the church, you know that when it comes to conversation about the Holy Spirit, nothing will stir up more drama and division and controversy in the church than the conversation about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And in particular, the gifts that are often referred to as the supernatural or sign gifts of the Spirit. As I look through the scriptures, I'm sure there are many more categories, but there are at least three categories of spiritual gifts uh, that seem to emerge. Um, there's a category of spiritual gifts that I would refer to as the skill gifts. Our skill gifts are more tied to our natural wirings, our natural propensities, whether it's the gift of administration, it's a skill gift, um, maybe even the gift of hospitality, in some sense it's a gift of encouragement. Uh, and these gifts in many ways are gifts that you can develop and gifts that you may even have in traces prior to uh, meeting Jesus Christ. There's also a category of gifts that I would refer to as service gifts. Uh, these service gifts are tied more to calling. They're often tied more to a person's office in the local church. And so in Ephesians 4, you might read it to say that Jesus gave gifts to the church. And by that, it means he gave apostles, he gave teachers, he gave pastors to the church. And so these gifts seem to refer more to these roles that people serve in the context of the church. And then there's a third category of gifts, and this is the category that tends to stir some serious drama in the church. And that is the category that, that is referred to as the sign gifts of the Holy Spirit. These gifts refer to the inexplicable, the supernatural, the miraculous gifts that the Holy Spirit seems to, on many occasions, spontaneously give to his church for a certain season or for certain moments in which he wants to reveal something or propel the church in a certain way. Uh, sign gifts would be gifts like the gift of tongues, or the gift of prophecy, or gifts of healing, um, special revelations like a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. And when it comes to a conversation about the Holy Spirit, it's not just the gift that calls the drama. It is particularly the conversation surrounding the sign, the supernatural, those miraculous gifts. And when it comes to the sign gifts, the division usually comes around the question, are the sign gifts, are the supernatural gifts still operable, still available to us today? 
Or were those gifts that were for the early church and they kind of phased out and are no longer accessible to us today? One side says those gifts are gone. They were for the first century church. But once the Bible was completed, God has now revealed and said everything he has to say about himself in his word. It's no longer necessary to have miraculous accompaniments to prove that God is true because we now have his word. That's a pedestrian explanation of that side. The other extreme will say, no, 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 no. Those sign gifts are still operable today. If nothing else, the Holy Spirit has every right and freedom and prerogative to decide what gifts he gives to the church when he gives them to the church. And these two sides will often end up dividing. But there's a third category of people who often sit somewhere in the middle. And what they will often say without saying it is, I don't want to take a side this way or that way. In fact, what happens is if you start to take sides, there's drama and division, and we don't want to be divided. So let's just not talk about the Holy Spirit. Let's just not talk about the gifts. And especially, let's not bother talking about the sign gifts, and that way everybody will get along. Here's the problem. If the sign gifts are still operable today, if the sign miraculous supernatural gifts are still available to the church today, which I happen to believe they absolutely are, But if those gifts are still available today, think about how much of what the Spirit wants to do in His church is being missed because people say, let's just not talk about it. Think about how much more of Jesus could be seen in the church, except that people say, we don't want to talk about it. So we say we want to talk about it. And so last week we started a conversation looking at some of these gifts, and we want to wrap this series by kind of finishing out that conversation. And I realize that a conversation like this is going to stir some anxiety in different ones of us, but I trust that it would be worth it as we move forward. And at the end of last week, somebody asked a very um, astute question, which is actually the question we're going to spend some of our time answering this morning. And the question was, hang on a second, Kondo, if you believe that these gifts are still operable today, if you believe that these gifts are still available today, question, how come we don't see those sign gifts as much in the context of the local church? If those gifts are still available, how come there are so few sightings of these gifts? And someone even said, except when you watch them on TV. Which I think is a great question that we want to delve into. In fact, that's what we want to answer as we conclude the series. Why don't we see these gifts more in our lives? Why don't we see these gifts more in the context of the church? If you have a copy of the scriptures, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, because I think the Apostle Paul actually gives us some hints as to why we may not see these gifts as much in the context of the local church. And there are a lot of different reasons, but we want to dial in on at least three reasons that seem to emerge from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So uh, let's go there. And even as you turn there, let me say this to you. If you don't have a physical copy of the Bible, um, we love the app and we think the apps are fantastic, but we would love to get a physical copy that you can mark up um, and turn pages and read um, for yourself. If you don't own a copy, please, please, please go get yours. In fact, your copy is waiting for you um, at the Connection Corner right out these doors. You can head there um, right after the service and grab one. But we are going to start in um, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, and uh, we're going to see a number of reasons why I believe we don't see as many sightings of these gifts and experience in turn as much of the Spirit's activity among us. And, and, And the first uh, obstacle, if, if you want to call it that, that I think Paul lists in 1 Corinthians 14 is what I would refer to as the obstacle of pursuit. Pursuit. Um, I think the first thing that we see ought to wreck us a little bit, but then ought to put us back together with incredible hope and incredible 
expectation because Paul almost seems to come out of the gates in 1 Corinthians 14 and tell the church, listen, you all have all of the experience with the Holy Spirit that you want. You have as much of the sign gifts and as much of the spirit sightings as you want. Um, And every summer... I go through this crazy, um, awesome routine that always leads me to this crisis moment. And uh, <laughs> this experience for me goes something like this. Oh, my goodness, it's summer. I should totally get in better, in, in better shape um, because it's summer. And, you know, so I can also start to get ready for my second career in modeling. And so I will always have these really crisis moments, like where I know I need to hit up the gym and... Um, I, 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 I don't know where the gym is, but I know I need to hit one up, and um, I need to stop eating bags and bags of, of chips and stuff, and I need to just really get in better shape. Um, and uh, then I, I won't. But my wife has a distinct privilege of listening to me for months and months and months talk about how I'm about to. And I'm seriously, I've got to. And I'm, I'm, I'm really g- g- going to do it um, this time. And I always end up not doing it. Because when it's all said and done, there are things I just want a little bit more than getting in shape. Things like Kalani's ice cream. Double scoop. Waffle cone, of course, um, you know, doused in chocolate. Um, I want to drop in on Ritter's anytime I want to. Um, and the reality is, it's just things I want more than getting in shape, but it doesn't stop me from continuing to have this conversation. My problem is not my position philosophically on getting in shape. It's no, I believe that if I ate fewer chips and I believe that if I actually worked out a little bit, I would get in the kind of shape that I would like to be. I just don't want to do it. Enough. And in fact, if my wife loved me, every time she heard me whine um, about how I want to get in shape, she, would, she should say to me, yeah, clearly not enough. Now, I'm not saying that wouldn't start World War III in the Sinfukre home, but I'm saying it would at least be true. Clearly not enough. Because you and I both know, if I wanted to get in shape enough, guess what? I would get in shape. My problem is not my position on getting in shape. My problem is my pursuit. I just like to pursue other things more than I like to pursue getting in shape. Because if I wanted to, if I really, really wanted to enough, I would do it. And in, my, in some of my crazier moments, I'll even say stuff like this, like, all right, but I'm telling you one day, one day, which is the most ridiculous thing to say, because one day it suggests that there's going to come a time when something is going to happen to me And something is going to be done for me, and it'll transport me into this magical place called in-shapeness. It's ridiculous, but I say it nonetheless. So anyway, confessions of a a pastor around summertime. Um, Paul, I think, accuses the church of something very, very similar. You all don't want the Spirit and His sign gifts enough. Otherwise, you would go after these things. You are all way, 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 way too content to have the right philosophical position when it comes to the Spirit and His gifts. The problem is it's not translating into the pursuit of what you need to do to get in position to actually experience these gifts. So Paul would say, you have as much of the gifts as you want. Clearly, church, you don't want them enough. And then you whine, and then you envy other people um, who have the gifts. And then you read articles about everybody else who may be experiencing the Spirit moving in significant ways. And you have the audacity to say, maybe one day. Right? Like a day is going to come when the Spirit is just going to do stuff to us. And then magically, He's going to transport us into this place where we have more and we see more of Him. Look at verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 
This is what Paul says. He says, follow. And by the way, it is interesting that these are actually commands, not suggestions. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Eagerly desire is literally means to pursue with zeal. When you eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you will pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit with zeal, with passion. You will get yourself in position to receive the gifts that the Holy Spirit holds out and offers. You know when you eagerly desire something because you start to figure out ways to strategically position yourself in the same place where your crush happens to be at Martin's. You know, oh, fancy bumping into you here. When you eagerly desire something, you will figure out a way to get around that something. You will stalk on Facebook. You get super agitated when you look them up on Instagram and their account is private. Yeah, I have to find a different avenue in. Just say, just say, when you eagerly desire something, you go after it. You would download the app to make sure that you don't miss anything. You, you would DVR that thing so you don't miss a single episode. Listen, I can tell you what you most eagerly desire because what you most eagerly desire, you most passionately pursue. And so Paul would say, eagerly desire the gifts, passionately pursue these gifts. And if you say, well, listen, we want the gifts, and you don't have them, Paul would say, well, clearly you don't want them enough. You don't want them enough. The problem is not that the sign gifts have gone away. I wonder if the problem is that the church hasn't gone after them. Wishing doesn't work. Wishing waits around and hopes that maybe one day something will happen to us. But we saw in week one, if, if you were here, and if you weren't, I'd encourage you to go back and, and just track the series with us. But we saw in week one that the Holy Spirit is the quintessential gentleman, meaning the Holy Spirit will not impose on us what we don't invite of him. The Holy Spirit is not going to push gifts onto us if we don't pursue the gifts. So imagine what happens if you have a church that is standing passively wishing and a Holy Spirit who loves to give but is waiting for pursuit. There is again the most tragic of impasses. And I'm just calling us out, church, and saying I believe we have as much of the Spirit as we want. So the question is, how much do you want to see and experience some of what the Spirit of God might be holding out? Some of what the Spirit of God might be offering to us. I think one of the reasons we don't see more of him in the context of the church is because we don't want him enough, and so therefore we don't pursue. And I am tired. I don't know about you, but I am tired of being on the reading side of the stories of Holy Spirit sightings. I am tired of being on the other side of articles that talk about the ways the spirits touched down in places that hungered for him. I'm tired of talking about what he's doing on the other side of the world. When he is here and he is saying, would you pursue me? Would you come after me? I will show myself to you. Someone was telling me just last week about their own journey when they said, I read in the Bible where it said something about this particular gift. And so I just started to pursue. I started to ask the spirit for the gift. I'm like, oh, pray tell what happened. He gave it to me. I'm like, oh, fancy that. I'm sorry, you can do it right now? Yeah. 
I so want to ask you for a demonstration, but I'm not going to. And uh, you see why here in a second. And so I don't know, church, I wonder if uh, for some of us, and maybe for us as a church at large, we don't need to start with a, a simple prayer that says, give me more desire for you. Because I don't think we can just decide this morning, you know what, I'm going to start eagerly desiring the gifts. I think even that is a gift that the Holy Spirit would give us if we asked him. I don't desire enough. Would you give me a greater desire for more of you? Would you give me a deeper desire for more of your gifts? A desire that spills over into pursuit. And I wonder for some of us, he doesn't want us to ask for that specific gift. I, I want more of that gift. Would you please give me more of that gift? Now, I know that there are certain gifts that I think the Holy Spirit gives us. And I think some of the skill gifts are gifts that kind of stay with us. But I, I, I wonder if sometimes the sign gifts aren't gifts that he's willing to give us for even seasons or spontaneous moments when he wants to just do something inexplicable. And maybe for some of us, we need to ask him. I believe he will show up. If we pursue. So if we have as much of him as we want, how much do we want? Uh, the second uh, obstacle that I think emerges in, in this, and I'll try my best to explain this, but it's the obstacle of, of priority. Of priority. Um, I think one of the reasons we don't see more of the sign gifts is a matter of our priority. Remember that the purpose of the, the gifts um, is to help the people in the church to see more of Jesus and to be more like him. That spiritual gifts are given to help people see more of Jesus and to be more like him, and I do, I believe something breaks open in the church as we embrace that to be true, and as that starts to infiltrate our own practices. Something happens when we prioritize the soaring and the success of other believers in Jesus. When it starts to matter to me that you run after Jesus and you have more of Jesus and you live more fully and more radically and take more risk for Jesus, when that matters to me, I think something begins to shift because when you prioritize the church and you want to see people start to peak in Jesus Christ, it's going to affect the way you ask and pursue the gifts. It will affect what gifts you start to ask the Holy Spirit for. And naturally, you're going to start to pursue the gifts that push and that propel people to see more of Jesus and be more like him. And you better believe you will start to see more of the Holy Spirit, if for no other reason. Because I don't know if you knew this, but the Spirit's primary agenda is to shine a spotlight on Jesus Christ is to help the church to be enamored with Jesus Christ. I'm going to remind you of what he said. I'm going to point you to Jesus. So when you make priority, the soaring of other people, you make a priority to see other people grow up into Jesus Christ, all of a sudden you and the Spirit share the same agenda priority. And at that point, I suspect he may just give you whatever you ask him for. If the goal and the desire is to help the people around you, I wonder if we don't see much of the sign gifts because the soaring of others, to see others thrive in a church is just not a priority to us. We're busy. We got our own stuff. We got our own family stuff. And so the gifts start to become a conversation about my position. They become a conversation about my personal spiritual profile. And we lose sight that the priority reason for the gifts is to help other people to soar. Look at how Paul calls us to priority in this passage. Let's go to verse 1 again. You're going to see it show up a number of times in this passage. He says, follow the way 
of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. He says, especially prophecy. Why? Well, because anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So the gift of tongues, good as it might be, it doesn't really benefit. It doesn't really help propel the people around you to more of Jesus. Verse 3, but he who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, just push them more, uh, for their encouragement and for their comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, and that's a beautiful thing. But the one who prophesies edifies the church, which is the priority reason the gifts were given in the first place. I would like, Paul says, for every one of you to speak in tongues, which is really interesting, right? But I would rather have you prophesy because the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets those tongues. So that, again, the church might be edified. That's the anthem of the spiritual gifts. So that the church might be edified. So that the church might be strengthened. So that the church might be encouraged. So that the church might experience more and more and more and more of Jesus. Paul is preaching now. Don't just pursue the gifts. The church ought to pursue the gifts. But don't just pursue the gifts. He says, pursue the greater gifts. Well, greater how? Well, greater in the potential to point and position and propel people towards Jesus. And so what Paul is saying to the Corinthians is, listen, in your pursuit of gifts, as you start to pursue these gifts, do not lose sight of the priority that these gifts ought to help other people towards Jesus. The Corinthian church was an interesting place, um, a church that had clearly lost sight of that priority. Um, so the Holy Spirit and his gifts in the church had become so much more about impressing each other than it was about impacting or imparting something into others that would push them towards the person of Jesus Christ. The Corinthians were using their gifts to compete with each other, um, to see who could kind of outgift the other. And it had become this, this gift expo, is what the church services had turned into, in which people were starting to prove their spirituality to each other by how many of these gifts, particularly the sign gifts that they could express in public contexts. And so people started to want the gifts. They started to pursue the gifts, but they didn't pursue the gifts with the priority of the Spirit in mind. They started to pursue these gifts so they could prop themselves up, not so they could propel others. And so Paul is calling them back to priority. The point of the gift is so that the people around you would be edified, so that the people around you would be strengthened. And he's saying to them, in essence, pursue the Holy Spirit, yes. Pursue the gifts, yes. But pursue with priority. And the priority is that others in the church would grow to love Jesus more and live more radically for him. So here's what Paul does. So Paul focuses in this passage on the gift of prophecy, this gift in which the Spirit might deposit something into your spirit and invite you to share that with the church and then call them to respond to whatever it is the Lord has revealed to you, if that is your gift. And Paul focuses on this gift of prophecy, and I don't think he isolates the gift of prophecy because it's like the Cadillac of gifts. I don't think he focuses on the gift of prophecy because it is the greatest gift, period. I think he focuses on this gift of prophecy because he wants to remind the Corinthians about priority and the gift of prophecy in the Corinthian church would have been the most beneficial gifts of all of them. It would have been the gift that would have helped the people in the church to see more of Jesus. And that makes sense, by the way. Uh, the Corinthian church was a very, very young church that didn't have established leadership, that didn't have really strong biblical literacy. In fact, 
the New Testament didn't exist when this church was alive. And they didn't all have like, you know, pocket-sized Old Testament scrolls to read at any point in time. The YouVersion Bible app wasn't available to them. This was a church that didn't know what God had to say about a variety of different things. So you have in this church some dude who's having an affair with his stepmom, and the church is like, we don't know what to say about this. Because they're biblically literate, which means when they want to know what does God have to say about this? What is God's heart on this? How do we help propel each other towards Jesus? They need God to deposit a special word of prophecy so that it can call them more towards the person of Jesus Christ. Paul says, especially prophecy. Why? Because prophecy is a priority gift if you want to help the people in this church to grow towards Jesus Christ. Prophecy. The point is still priority of pushing people in the direction of Jesus Christ. I would venture to say in our church here at Mission Point, the gift of prophecy may not be the priority gift at this point in time. That may not be the gift that the Spirit really wants to use to propel us forward. Now, it may be. I don't know. But I'm saying, in a season like this, it may actually be a skill gift, like the gift of administration. As we try and figure out what are we going to do with this growth? How are we going to help people connect into community so they can continue to thrive and grow in the person of Jesus? It might end up being you know, you know, the gift of hospitality to figure out how are we going to come alongside all of these families who are on the front lines of adoption? How are we going to come alongside these families that are plundering the foster care system? That may be the gift that helps to propel more towards the person of Jesus Christ. The point is actually, what is the priority if not to help people see Jesus and we ought to go after the gifts that most beautifully accomplish that purpose. And the minute I decide I want to be as beneficial to the church as possible and then I start to pursue the gifts, woo! The Spirit will say, now you and I both agree on the priority agenda, and I trust he will give us whatever we ask for, particularly in the sign gifts area, because he knows what I want to do with it, not to prop myself up, but to propel people more in the direction of Jesus Christ himself. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. It says, so it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit. He says, try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. That's the priority. And again, as we keep the priority of people growing in Jesus, I believe we'll see more of the Holy Spirit. Pursue the gifts and he will give them. Pursue the priority that will most help the church, and I believe we'll see more of him. One of the things that concerns me, and I think one of the reasons we might even miss some of what the Spirit wants to do, is we have become a bunch of independent contractors in so many regards in the church these days. We show up together for, you know, a little bit in the Sunday morning, and then we all go. We all have our priorities, and our priority is not how we can help the church grow. The church is an afterthought. I don't care how you're doing in Jesus. I care about how I'm doing, and I care about how our family's doing. And the Spirit will say, would you please join me in remembering Jesus paid a high price for the church. The church is the center of his activity here on earth. Would you prioritize what's most beneficial for the church? One of the reasons is because if the Spirit gave me a gift, I would take it to my kids' soccer events. I would take it to the stuff that I have to do that is so much more important than how you're doing spiritually. But the minute we return to the priority of seeing the church thrive in Jesus, woo! I'm convinced the Spirit will start to move in ways inexplicable. Because now we're all after Jesus. And now I want to see you more after Jesus Christ. Are you in the place where you love the church enough to say, I want to join you, Holy Spirit, in doing whatever I can to help see the church thrive 
even if that means other things go aside. And then pursue his gifts. And then the, 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 the last thing we want to look at is the obstacle of protocol. Protocol. And um, millennials hate alliteration, but I'm sorry, I'm not a millennial, so I, we had to go with a, with a P to, to, to wrap this, this thing up. Um, but I do, I think there's a way uh, to use the gift of the Spirit in, in public contexts, especially the sign gifts. And I think sometimes the reason churches uh, may miss the Spirit um, is because there's a disregard of the biblical protocol for how these gifts, especially these sign gifts, ought to be used in the context of um, the church. And let me just talk a little bit about uh, the Corinthian church, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about our current context as we wrap things up. Because I do, I think if, if we want to see more of the Spirit and more of His gifts, we've got to be willing to follow the biblical protocol for how these gifts ought to um, work. Uh, when I got saved, and I shared this a little bit, maybe the first week of the series or so, um, I was saved into a church context that really pursued uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, not only pursued, but also emphasized the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, but here's what happened. Because there was a pursuit of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit showed up and he gave gifts to the folks who were there. But here's what started to happen. Um, we would get together, for instance, for a worship service. And without fail, this is what would start to take place. Uh, the music would start to eventually fade. The singing would start to wind down. And in its place, you would start to hear the growing, rising sound um, of people speaking in tongues in that context. And after a while, the room would be filled with the sound of a bunch of different people speaking this heavenly language that nobody else, by the way, in that place could understand. And then every now and then, something prophetic would happen, or somebody would get a word, and so they would grab the person who they maybe believed the word was for, and they would huddle over here, and then another group would huddle over here, and other people would huddle over there, and you'd have people speaking in tongues and people prophesying in the assembly, and it was just this loud noise. Um, if you weren't used to it, it could actually be pretty disorienting and pretty scary and I remember the first time I experienced this being a little bit thrown off and uncomfortable with it. Now, eventually, I got used to that particular experience. The problem came when I read 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and realized that Paul seemed to be describing a different protocol for how the gifts ought to be used in public contexts. And so here's what happened in that situation. In that situation, I think the gifts were, were present fair enough, but the protocol that the Bible lays out for how those gifts should be used was ignored. So even though some of the gifts were experienced, I think the Spirit was slowly grieved and eventually, this group of people enjoyed expressing the gifts, but missed the experience of the power of the Holy Spirit that actually transforms lives and points them to Jesus. And the reality is most of those people from that particular context have now veered away from Jesus. The gifts were great, but the Spirit was grieved because the protocol wasn't followed. People just fell in love with the gifts and just started doing whatever they wanted to do. And something was Missed. That was what was happening in the Corinthian church, by the way, which is why the Apostle Paul speaks the, this protocol to them. Look uh, at what he, he says, um, starting in verse 26. He says, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together 
Each of you has a hymn. I love this, by the way. It's a picture of what starts to happen as people pursue the gifts. You come together, and different ones of you have a different thing the Spirit has given you. Each of you has a hymn or maybe a word of instruction or a revelation or a tongue or an interpretation. But he says everything must be done for the priority so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak. And listen to what he says, one at a time. And someone must always interpret that tongue. Verse 28, if there is no interpreter, the speaker of this tongue should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh very carefully what is said. There is protocol. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. Courtesy. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged because that's the priority of why the gifts are here. Verse 32, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. That's such a significant verse. Wish we had time to talk more about it. But Paul's point is you can never ever say, man, the spirit just led me and I just had to say it or I had to do it or I had to spew it. He says, no, actually, uh, you can choose because the spirit of the prophet is subject to the control of the prophet. You can decide to speak in an orderly way and do things in an orderly sequence. That's why I get very suspicious. All right, Condo, focus. I get very suspicious in my own circles whenever somebody says to me, oh, man, the spirit showed up and things just got out of control and we couldn't help ourselves. Man, maybe we shouldn't uh, tape this, this, uh, this particular message. When I see my friends talking about holy laughter, and I'll say, what's holy laughter? Oh, it's a spirit came and I was laughing uncontrollably. So you couldn't stop, could not stop. I immediately say, that does not follow protocol. Now the spirit possessed you and you had no control. He rendered your will powerless. No, he says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the control of the prophet. Don't tell me. I'm sorry. The spirit just led and so I had to leave work in the middle of a meeting, you know, to, well, no, the spirit, you can choose. You can, now I'm not telling you there are not times when the spirit will cause you to do something that is completely out of the norm. But in this context of worship, there is a protocol to be followed. Paul would say, if you're going to speak in tongues in a worship gathering, there is protocol to follow. The one, two, three rule. One person at a time, two or three at the most, and there should always be an interpreter. Otherwise, it doesn't benefit anybody in the church. If there's no interpreter, that person should stop talking because it doesn't benefit anyone in the church. That doesn't say they've done something wrong. It might be that the interpreter, you know, who's supposed to say what is, is, is being said, just kind of cowered it out. But in either case, there should be an interpretation of those tongues. There should never be a, a time when a bunch of people get together and everyone starts to speak independently in tongues that nobody else understands. That's what the Corinthians were doing, and Paul says, don't do that, because it misses the priority. There's protocol to how these gifts should be used. And I do, I think, one of the reasons we fear engaging the gifts of the Spirit is I think sometimes, for those of us who've had certain experiences, I know I get anxious. Like, if we even put a foot in the water, are things going to go out of control? And the Spirit says, there's protocol. Don't let that be the reason why you don't step into some of these things. Um, but there's also um, protocol for gifts like prophecy or words of knowledge or special revelations that speak them in turn. It's just polite. It's good manners. But beyond that, God is a God of order. And what Paul says, and on top of that, if you all just start to do your own thing and somebody who is searching comes in, none of it will make sense to them. And they can't see Jesus in all of that. They can't say amen. And they don't get to say surely God was in this place because it's just crazy. He says, but on the other hand, if you step into these gifts and one of you speaks and the other one 
interprets what's spoken, or if there's a word of knowledge, or or if there's a prophecy and somebody shares it in the church, now all of a sudden Paul says something so powerful happens that the unbeliever will say, I don't know what was happening there, but God was in the house. And I'm just telling you, I want to be part of a place that is not just a bunch of people get together and sing I want to be part of a place where we sing and the presence of God is in this place. And people step in and they can experience him and they can become enamored with Jesus. Not because, you know, this guy, you know, you know, really greeted well and this song really went well and that guy really talked well. But because we have made room for the Spirit to be here to shine a spotlight on the person of Jesus Christ. So as we consider um, engaging the Spirit, and by the way, we said this last week, but I've got to say it again, especially as we think about some of this, is if there's ever a prophetic word or ever a, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, listen, it has to come under the authority of the Word of God Bible. God is not going to reveal something special to you that contradicts what he's revealed in his word. And I love that Paul says that. He says, don't just take people's word for it. Weigh it like the Bereans in the book of Acts. Weigh very carefully what they say. And in our case, we want to measure it against the truth of God's word. There's protocol. There's a way that these gifts ought to be used. And if the protocol is followed... Something so powerful starts to happen even in the worship gatherings. And as we consider engaging the Spirit and His gift, it's, it's good to keep in mind there is order. Things are never to get out of control. And I would beg us, let's never be afraid of stepping into this because we've seen it abused or we've seen it misused uh, or we've seen it out of control. But before I wrap, let me just say, this is not our problem. Um. Our problem, if Paul was speaking to us, church, (laughs) Paul would not be telling us, hey, rein it in now. Rein it in. (laughs) Things are out of control here at Mission Point, I have heard. Listen, our protocol problem is not that we are misusing the gifts. Our protocol problem is that we are neglecting the gifts. And both are a misuse because that's not what they were given for. If I abuse the gifts, I blur the face of Jesus. If I neglect the gifts, I'm no longer able to help paint a portrait of Jesus so people can be propelled towards him. But for some reason or another, it feels safer not to follow protocol by neglect. Listen, I may not hurt my children, I may starve them, but both are not cool parenting tactics. And I think for us, sometimes we think, well, listen, we're not doing those extreme things like those people. Well, what are you doing? How are you engaging the gifts? Because if they are available to you and the Spirit is holding them out to you and you're not capitalizing and pursuing and prioritizing them so you can propel people to Jesus, is that really the story you want to be told of your church? Is that really the story you want to be told of your life when it's all said and done? Do we really want to be that servant who said, thank you for the gift, we buried it, that way we didn't abuse it? Has Jesus ever applauded that approach? No, I think where we are is in a place where the Spirit is inviting us, step into it. There's protocol. And I love what he says. Look at verse 39 and 40. This is our jam right here, church. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. When is the last time any of us were accused of that? Now, I know there's a growing movement of us in the church. Be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. And I'm just going to make a vulnerable statement. We don't forbid speaking in tongues or prophesying. We just make sure we account for every minute in the service so there's no room for it. (laughs) It's not the same thing. It's different. That's different. Verse 40 says, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. I love that he approaches both of us. Engage, but don't be scared that things are going to get out of control because there's an orderly way to do things. Both are possible. 
if there is a willingness to step in. Seems Paul would say to us, a church that doesn't make space for the Spirit to move risks missing the power of the Spirit in the same way for a church that just goes overboard and risks grieving the Spirit. And we don't want to be part of grieving the Spirit in either direction. If he has things he wants to hand us, if he has things that will help us see Jesus more, if he has things that will help us become more compelling to the world, don't you want those things? Let me ask again, don't you want those things? Amen. And so I wonder if the Spirit isn't inviting us to take steps in that direction. And again, I'm not suggesting I know how this works, but I'm saying that we've got to figure out what it looks like to pursue as a church. We've got to figure out what it looks like to make space as scary as that might be. And I'm going to be honest, I'm anxious in what the Spirit might ask us to do. I'm anxious about that, but I'm even more anxious about missing everything that he wants to do. I'm more anxious about living my life on this, the other side of reading stories of what he did when he says, I am offering to do the great work of heaven in your midst. So we're processing what some of this looks like. Um, Stay tuned and keep praying. Um, we definitely want there to be clear avenues. So if the Spirit is giving you a word or the Spirit is doing something, we want there to be avenues for you to be able to express those things so that Jesus might reign in this place and so we might be propelled more towards Him. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand together and uh, pray as we wrap. Um, Spirit of the living God, stir in us a desire for you and for your gifts and everything you want to do in us. Spirit of the living God, fill us with a priority that longs to see others in the church grow and thrive in Jesus. And Spirit of God, teach us to be courageous, to take these steps and then protect us with your word so that we don't veer from protocol. We want to enjoy all you are so we can enjoy all Jesus is, so we can invite others to enjoy life in him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.